Welcome to the Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 6th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. My goal is to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in our local economy. Keep me tuned in and I'll keep you informed. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions and connect you with the guests that I have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 400 1150 or online at themoneyr.com. And my lineup for today's show, I have Keith Medley and Brian Walker with Final Phase Inspection, Wet Winter Woes for Home Inspections. Also in studio, I have Mayanna Leff with Remax on the Lake, Millennials and Buying a Home. And last guest in studio, Noel Bortfeld, Chief Marketing Officer with Windermere Real Estate, How to Market a Listing. Great information and great guest in studio today. For more information on any topics discussed or topics that you'd like to hear on future shows, please call one 855 411 1150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And to start out today's show, we'll have a little money chat. Money. Money. Ex-Fed Chair Ben Bernanke spoke, and he had some interesting comments. He doesn't think that the U.S. economy will reach a 3% GDP. He also was pretty defensive over his actions he took during his years in the Fed Chair. He's been under a lot of criticism regarding the Fed's $4 trillion quantitative easing experiment while he was in charge. He said how well it was worked out. But I think it may be a bit pre- premature because we have to wait to see the underwinding of the balance sheet. Like the old saying, if you jump out a 100-store building for the first 90 stories, it may feel like you're flying. The Fed statement was non-eventful. They left rates unchanged and made zero changes to their balance sheet, as expected, meaning that they will continue to reinvest in mortgage bonds, which would keep mortgage interest rates lower. They did not mention any further detail on their plan to lower their balance sheet. The Fed said that the economy activity slowed and their decline in the inflation in March, but they believe that these two issues to be transitory and they will come back. So they also said that they're expected future conditions to warrant a right rate height. Now, I think the Fed will likely hike rates in June and possibly September with uh, fulfilled the three hikes that they planned on the year. They also leave one one more meeting at the end of the year in December where they could then start to address their balance sheet and either cut off the reinvestments completely or taper them down slowly. Now, the housing news from Core Logic was released and reported that home prices rose 1.6% in March and 7.1% year over year. This was an improvement for last month's 7% and shows that the housing continues to accelerate. Core Logic also forecasts that home prices will rise by 4.9% in the year going forward, and they usually are a little bit conservative on the conservative side. Personal income and spending was released as well, showing that the incomes rose by 0.3% in March while spending spending was flat. Incomes and spending were both slightly below estimates. Private sector incomes were up 5.9% year over year, which is a near multi-year heights. Also within the report was the Fed's favored measured inflation. Personal consumer 
The PECE, the PCE, the headline figure decreased decreased from 2.1 to 1.8. The core rate, which stripes out food and energy prices, and is the main focus of the Fed, dropped from 1.8 to 1.6. Both of these figures were a bit of a surprise, but a pullback was expected from the heights levels in five years. The ADP report showed that there were 177 jobs created in the private sector in April, which was slightly above expectations of 170,000. Last month figure was revised by a lower of 8,000 from 263,000 to 255,000, but still remain very strong. Now, when looking deeper into the report, I saw another big gain in the service sector as they grew by 165,000. Manufacturing was strong, posting gains of 11,000, while construction lost 2,000. Businesses with 50 to 499 employees led job creations with 78,000 positions, while companies with fewer than 50 workers added 61,000, and a large business contributed 38,000. Expectations for the jobs reports are still around 185,000. Now, initial job claims, which measure individual filing for unemployment benefits for the first time, was reported at 238,000 for last year. That represented a decrease of 19,000 from the previous reports, which was unrevised to 257,000. So, job report strategy last month numbers 98,000 new jobs at 4.5 unemployment rate. Market expectations 185,000 new jobs, 4.6 unemployment rate. That is the money chat. And coming up next in the money are home inspections after a wet winter woes. Keith Medley and Brian Walker with final phase inspections right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. Are you behind in filing your tax returns? Does the IRS claim you owe them money, but you can't pay? Are you getting nasty grams from the IRS? Are you losing sleep? Please know your tax problems can be solved. Work locally and actually meet the person that'll help you with your tax problems and not some faceless national firm. Call None Better Tax Resolution today at 1-844-SOS-1040 for a free confidential consultation. Again, call 844-SOS-1040 today and start fixing your tax problems so you can sleep peacefully. Are you struggling to find time to clear out the home of a loved one who has moved to nursing care or has passed away? Do you need to speed it up so the estate can sell or rent the home, its biggest asset, but you're not sure where to start? Seamless moves help families just like yours quickly sort through belongings in your loved one's home, ship them to family members and other heirs, and disperse the remaining unwanted items as you direct. Seamless Moves has over 13 years experience overseeing moving details for busy professionals, families, and seniors. They have the highest satisfaction ratings on Yelp, Facebook, and Angie's List. This is Lori Lamoureux, Chief Box Opener at Seamless Moves. To learn more about how we can help you with a move or an estate clean-out, call us at 425-746-1334 or check out our website at SeamlessMoves.com. Again, that's 425-746-1334 and online at S-E-A-M-L-E-S-S-M-O-V-E-S.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. 
Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 6th show. I'm committed to providing you knowledge needed to be successful in every area regarding your finances. Knowledge is power, and that's what you'll receive from listening to the show. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast to listen to talk with any of the guests that I have in studio today, you can call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 or you can go online to themoneyhour.com. And in studio right now, Keith Medley and Brian Walker with Final Phase Inspections, Wet Winter Woes from Home Inspections. Thanks, you guys, for coming back into studio. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tina. Yeah, thank you. It has been a little bit wet, so it'll be great to hear uh, how that's affecting uh, home inspections. And before we get into that, a little bit about Keith and Brian. Keith Medley, owner, inspector, was born and raised in the Puget Sound, giving him a full understanding of the weather and the environmental issues that may affect your home. His expertise in construction and remodels has given him an inside look at the benefits and quality building techniques, as well as the pitfalls associated with substandard workmanship. Keith is an honest, courteous, and quality-minded professional and understands the importance of customer service and communication. A big part of every inspection includes a focus on customer education. Their reports are generated using Home Inspection Pro software, which is the industry standard due to the user-friendly format. Their full-color inspections report include high-quality digital pictures to help further explain the support to support their findings. Their reports are emailed usually same day and always within 24 hours of the inspection. They work very hard to ensure a home buyer understands the status of the functionality systems as well as the items requiring routine maintenance. They also help home sellers in the same way so that they know which information is important to potential buyers resulting in a more effective listing and sales process. They are trained professionals and their business practices adhere to the standard of practice of code ethics in Washington State and the American Society of Home Inspectors. They strive for the highest level of customer service and value in every inspection because your peace of mind is their priority. And a little bit about Brian Walker was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest and brings in 30 years of experience as a contractor with expertise in custom remodel construction as well as fire and water damage restoration. His exceptional customer service skill allow him to ensure that his clients' needs are looked after through every step of the inspection process. Ver- Brian is a very thorough inspector with knowledge to identify and explain any issues discovering during the inspection as well as the diverse background to offer suggestions to repair improvements. Brian has been proudly serving our customers since February of 2015. So again, our conversation and kind of what's happening in the Seattle area with our weather this year. Um, wet winter woes for home inspections. So Brian Let's go ahead and start out with you. Now that we're heading into the spring and after the wettest winter on record, what are the biggest issues that you typically find during a home inspection? Well, a statistic I heard the other day was we've already received a full year's worth of rain in the first four months of this year. That's crazy. Yeah. That being said, the two biggest issues we're finding are water in the foundation and crawl space as well as leaks and mold in the attic. So let's start by explaining how moisture gets into the attic. We've had our share of wind and driving rain this winter. As rain lands on our house, gravity pulls it downward through any opening it can find. Oftentimes, these openings are as small as a pinhole, and other times, roof damage has left an exposed opening. Also remember that our homes expand and contract and with changing temperature and humidity. This creates the potential for new hidden openings around skylights, chimneys, uh, vent caps, and other areas of roof penetrations. 
For example, I was in a home earlier this week and saw significant structural damage to the roof sheathing and trusses because of a leak from two nails. I'd estimate the repairs around five to $10,000. Yeah, and that's you know crazy. We were talking earlier about, um, before we came into studio about all of the challenges that are going on with some of the homes, and so many buyers are waiving the inspection, which can be you know, devastating financially, not understanding what the home has to offer uh, moving forward. So Keith, I have, uh, have to imagine that the leaks in the roof can lead to a variety of significant issues. What other issues are you finding in the attic? Well, one of the biggest ones is that moisture turns your attic into a garden for organic growth, which mm-hmm. also leads to mold. Mold grows just like any other plant. Moisture, food, and oxygen are the three primary requirements for plant and animal life to exist. Well, we get our moisture from the roof leak, and it gets its food source from the decaying wood. You combine that with oxygen, and bam, you've got organic growth. The attic is a perfect environment for rapid mold growth once moisture is introduced. The most important step is to identify it and remediate it as soon as possible because mold begins to grow in as little as 48 hours once moisture, food, and oxygen are all present. Have your attic inspected by a professional if you're not comfortable doing it yourself. So, Brian, I've heard horror stories about mold. How dangerous is this? Well, to tell the truth, mold is everywhere. We live in a wet environment with organic spores that we inhale and ingest every day. Some people are more affected to mold, so it's more dangerous to some than others. Organic growth is all around us, and it's not always the unhealthy mold we hear about. The only way to truly understand the potential risk is to have a sample tested by a qualified testing agency. It's also important that people with severe reaction to even a minor mold presence inspect hidden areas such as the attic and crawl space on a regular basis. I was in an attic last month, and upon opening the hatch, I saw nothing but black, and that's generally mold. This can cause a serious health issue as well as extreme cost to remediate. Yeah. So, Keith, you had mentioned earlier that water in the crawl space was one of the other issues that you typically find at this time of year. So how does that moisture get into the crawl space? Well, the most common way water gets in is underneath the foundation walls. Areas with poor drainage can allow the water table to rise during the rainy seasons. This forces water into the crawl spaces. And it's usually easier to go under the wall than through the wall. However, we see leaks between the concrete walls and and what's called the footings that the walls sit on. Now, a crack in a foundation can let water in as well, but that's really much less of a common problem. Moisture in the crawl space is either coming in from within the foundation or it's coming up from the inside. Uh, It may be caused by seasonal underground stream or possibly an uphill neighbor that's made some changes that's caused uh, changes to the drainage patterns. The key really is identifying the source of the the moisture so that you can identify the right solution. You know, every area, there's different challenges you have to deal with, Washington not being an exception to that. So with all the benefits that we have here, um, there are some disadvantages possibly, again, if you're not finding out exactly what the health of that home is and what the future is. So, Brian, when it comes to water and the foundation, how much is too much? Well, Tina, in most cases, any water is too much water. However, the reality is is that we live in a rainy part of the country, as I said before. Mm -hmm. We start by looking at where the water is located in the foundation and how much 
is underneath versus on top of the plastic vapor barrier which covers the ground. This helps us determine where the water may be coming in from as well as the best course of action in recommending a long-term solution. It may require installing a typical sump pump drainage system or possibly consulting with a drainage specialist to discuss improving perimeter drainage or installing perimeter drainage. Oftentimes a minor amount of moisture comes and goes at different times of the year and we never see it. The worst moisture is the kind that does not go away, regardless of how much is there. Moisture can lead to mold growth under the home, which typically remains hidden until it becomes a significant issue. Yeah, so Keith, um, getting rid of the moisture in the foundation, it sounds like that could be pretty expensive. So how much does it cost and how do you get rid of this water? <laughs> Good question. Well, um, there's a lot of variables uh, when it comes to figuring out how much it costs and how to get rid of it. Um, the, really the key is understanding where the water's coming from and how much is coming in, and also what options are available for getting rid of it. The most common effective and, and cost-effective solution is installing a single sump pump. This usually starts around $500 for a simple system. Sometimes high-capacity pumps or even multiple sump pumps are needed along with extensive drainage work to properly divert water to the sump pumps. Now this can easily run several thousand dollars. The other typical solution is to install additional perimeter drainage on the outside of the foundation. The goal of that is to divert the water before it gets to the foundation. Now the size and extent of the required drainage system really determines the cost. It starts around $2,500 and goes up from there. You know, and another thing with an inspection, I mentioned it earlier in your bio, is just, I mean, you guys can't say how much something's going to cost because that's not what you do, but kind of giving an idea of what the future cost may be for the property. And as a buyer um, in this market, just being able to budget that in because it may not be as bad as you think. Sometimes these inspection reports can be um, overwhelmingly intimidating, but when you kind of can break it down and look at, well, is it worth it to move forward with this house? that I've got 5000 I have to put into it, the answer may be uh, definitely yes. So why it's important to really be able to get those, those costs and that information. So Brian, once a system is in place to remove the water, where does that water go? Well, the sump system typically drains into the drainage system, which the downspouts drain into. The water can also be piped away from the home to an approved drainage pit if a perimeter perimeter drainage system is not available. A common mistake we see is that the sump system is connected to the sewer or even worse, the septic system. This can overwhelm a septic system if all your drainage is going there. Mm. This has been an illegal practice for over 20 years due to the impact of non-organic contaminants found in surface runoff. A perimeter drainage system will include a proper drainage pit away from the home ensuring the water doesn't make its way back. So, Keith, it sounds like uh, water that creates our beautiful evergreen state can also be one of the one of our home's worst enemies. Any tips to avoid some of these costly repairs? Repairs. What can we do to be preventative? The best tip we can offer is really to catch problems mm -hmm. as soon as they start, rather than waiting for them to become major issues. And the only way to do this is to conduct regular inspections of both the attic and crawl space at least twice a year and take immediate action to avoid costly repairs.
Yeah, and you guys, a show that we had before, which was really great. I love how you guys come in um, and and really educate uh, my listeners on inspections, what they are, the importance of it, but also being able to know what to do to protect your homes. So right now, are there any other any other tips and areas that people should be doing as my homeowners are listening on preventative maintenance? Um, I'll, I'll jump in on this. Really, the time of year is we've got spring coming towards us. Our plants are going to be in full bloom. Vegetation is kicking up in high gear. Uh-huh. So it's time to make sure that all the vegetation around your house is cut back and allowing your home to breathe, or it will bring uh, some of the issues from our environment directly to the perimeter of our house. Yeah. So clients and listeners can actually call in and work with you guys to come out and and do an actual inspection of their home. Forget selling or moving out of the house, but just to get that that idea of what type of maintenance things that they can do right now. Is that correct? Absolutely. What is it something, I know it, it varies depending on the size of the home and the year of the home, but what's an average for a current owner to have you guys come out and inspect their home? It really depends on the inspection because uh-huh. sometimes we can just do a quick summary inspection and those are relatively inexpensive. Around $200 yeah. uh, for a major systems inspection and they go up from there to $500. Yeah. So uh, really, I encourage you guys that are listening to the show because you've heard from what we've talked about. There can be some costly devastation to not understanding how to take care of your home and maintain your home. So just having an inspector come in and do a look, just like you do an annual review on everything else, take a look at an annual review on your home and see the state uh, the state of it. Uh, any tips on roofs and what you should be doing to maintain those? Well, the first thing is making sure that you're not letting anything grow on it. Makes sense. Moss, algae, when that builds up and roots start growing into your roof system, it deteriorates the roof and can significantly reduce the life. You've spent Uh a lot of money on the house, and the roof is what protects everything. Yeah. Everything below it, you included. Mm -hmm. The the other thing I would add is is when moss does decide to start growing, we do live in the Northwest. Yes. um, Be very, very cautious of pressure washing. Pressure washing can reduce uh, a lot of years from your life uh, if it's done very aggressively. And one of the things we find on home inspections regularly Mm -hmm. is that roofs have aged prematurely because they've had the life pressure washed out of them. So yeah. caution. Yeah. Also, if you have those beautiful trees in your front yard, um, make sure that you're keeping up the maintenance um, of all of the, the stuff that comes from those. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming back and joining me in studio. It's always a pleasure to have you and I appreciate your expertise and all the information that you bring to my listeners. Thanks, Tina. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tina. Coming up next on the Money Hour, Millennials and Buying a Home. Mayanna Leth with Max on the Lake, right here at 1150 AM, KKNW, after the short break. You bought it, but do you know how it works? We're talking Social Security, the biggest mystery in your financial blueprint. Now, move from mystery to mastery with the new book, Social Security, The Inside Story. Author Andy Landis has helped thousands of people just like you master Social Security. Hi, this is Andy Landis. You can learn more at my website. Go to www.andylandis.biz. That's andylandis.biz. 
Are you a woman in business or a brand that wants to help them figure out how to take their business to the next level? Do you have questions about how to effectively and safely use social media to build your brand and business? Are you ready to live your purpose out loud every single day, but not sure how to make it happen? Are you looking to start a thriving business, uncover new ideal clients, or find your dream job? Have you been trying to put your brand story together, but keep getting stuck? Deborah Trapin of D11 Consultants is a well-respected expert who speaks, writes, and consults on the topics of personal brand, digital marketing strategies, and living a fired-up life. Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting helps entrepreneurs build businesses and lives they love by attracting ideal clients with a solid brand message and simple digital marketing strategies. Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting is passionate about inspiring entrepreneurs to define their personal brand to build a business and life they love. Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting is excited to help you get fired up and on your way to building a successful business and life. This is Deborah Trapin of D11 Consulting. To learn more about my firm, connect with me on social media, or sign up for a free consultation, please visit my website, d11consulting.com. Be sure to sign up to fire up on my email list and you will receive a free core values exercise to get you started defining your personal brand and building a life you love. If you prefer email, send me a note at Deborah at D11consulting.com. Again, to learn more about my services, connect with me on social or sign up to fire up, visit D11consulting.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 6th show. I provide you news on everything money, fresh information on market trends and conditions in our local economy. If you are hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And I will get, get you connected with any of the guests that I have in studio. And in studio right now, Mayanna Leth with Remax on the Lake. We're talking about millennials and buying a home. Mayanna, thank you so much for joining me the first time in studio. Well, thank you for inviting me. I am so thrilled. I love to talk about real estate, so I'm in the right place, I think. <laughs> I think you definitely are. And a little bit about Mayanna. Mayanna is a realtor with Remax on the Lake and certified negotiation expert with international experience. She started her real estate career almost 15 years ago in Europe as a property manager and later also as a project manager overseeing renovation and restoration of properties, she managed to improve the future earnings potential to her clients. Mayanna expanded her real estate career and is now a realtor providing real estate services in the greater Seattle area, particularly on the east side where she grew up. She has a son and a daughter, 26 and 25 years old respectively, which has motivated her to especially focus on providing insight and guidance to the millennials and help these young first-time home buyers make their dream of home 
homeownership a reality. Outside of real estate, Mayanna loves to share quality time with her son and daughter, such as going hiking with her with their five dogs and enjoying the beautiful Pacific Northwest. I wish my husband would let me have five dogs. I'm lucky that I get to have my one. <laughs> you can have one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mayanna, um, we're going to be talking uh, about younger first-time millennial homeowners in today's market in just a minute. But first, how about a little bit of an update on the current real estate market in our region? The news is all about um, that it's a pretty crazy market out there, a historical low inventory, multiple offer situations, and buyers having to pay more than the listing price, sometimes way more. So what is the contributing uh, factor to this hot market? And how did we get here? Good question, uh, but look around you. We have a robust and rapidly expanding economy in the region, and we've had that for a long time. And so as we all know, we have some well-established, absolute powerhouses of companies here in the area, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Expedia, Nintendo, and the whole list. And now Facebook, for example, just built a million square feet of real estate in South Lake Union that can accommodate up to 2,000 employees, and they're planning to continue to grow in the region. Uh, aerospace, obviously, Boeing, our still award company here that we grew uh, grew old on, and our wonderful medical facilities, all these uh, medical hospitals um, and facilities that we have in the area and that spurred development of many different bioresearch companies that are also in the region. So it's created a vortex, if you could imagine, just feeding into itself. And we have a, a, a powerhouse of companies, and Seattle is just a hotbed of awesome, awesome talent that continues to attract well-educated and well-paid employees to this area. I mean, if you think about from 2010 to 2015, in five years, Seattle saw a population growth of 54,000 people. Yeah. That's a lot. And I mean, we have everything here, beautiful Pacific Northwest, where we all love to spend time outdoors. That's attracting a lot of, especially also foreign buyers. And if you, th- if you uh, think about it, by 2040, the predictions are in the greater Seattle area is expected to grow by 1.7 million people. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy to think where are they, you know, where are they going to all live? Where are they going to live? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you think traffic is bad now, just wait. Um, and, but inventory, unfortunately, has not kept up with this demand. There simply have not been enough homes have, uh, that have been built since the bottom of the market. Nationwide, we're about 5 million units short of being able to meet demand. And building permits, especially here, they're not keeping up with the population growth. So in a nutshell, that's really what's creating this t- incredibly tight market. Mayana, do you feel that we're currently in a real estate bubble similar to the one that led to the Great Recession? You know, Tina, we hear this question all the time from people looking to mm-hmm. buy, and they're beginning to question whether they should, they should wait for a correction in the market, uh, thinking that there is, the same thing's going to happen. But and I have this discussion a lot, this is not the same market it was back then. And the reason that this is not the same uh, market as back then is just what we talked about. We had an absolute booming economy, huge demand, low inventory, and there's not enough construction to meet demand. Supply and demand is seriously out of balance, and until this is evened out, price appreciation is going to continue for some time to come. And the real danger really is holding off in uh, believing that prices mm-hmm. will drop. That's a danger because people are missing out on buying opportunities that only in a couple of years could prove detrimental because if the price of appreciation that is continuing, the reality is there's a real cost. There's a real cost if you continue renting versus owning a home. It's a concept known as the equity gap. Let's say you bought a home in, in 2007 to 2017, and that price, they had a 40 price, uh, for, um, I'm sorry, 40% price increase. And with the equity that you paid in to pay off your mortgage plus the equity gain, 
um, in the same time, a renter would be paying between one hundred thirty and one hundred fifty thousand dollars in rent to somebody else, to a landlord, yeah. and that money's gone forever. So there's a th- actually, if you add that up, that's a three hundred thousand dollar gap or difference in being a homeowner or a renter. And by choosing to rent because you think it's cheaper, you've actually lost out on a tremendous opportunity to build wealth. Don't try to time the market. There really is no time to buy like today. Yeah, I totally agree. And if we're especially talking with the first-time homebuyers, the challenge is being able to keep up with the market with, you know, just what you're saying. And then we've got to consider interest rates. Interest rates, every quarter percent they go up, you've lost $10,000 buying potential. And I think a lot of times renters don't look at the fact um, of the, you know, the mortgage is a fixed rate payment. So then you know exactly what your payment's going to be outside of taxes and insurance, which are going to fluctuate based on what the property value does. But with rents, they're increasing 3 to 5% on an average, and now they've been increasing even more. So um, the risk is actually being able to afford to keep up with rent. I always say, I mean, we know the market at some point in time is going to adjust. We can't see it anywhere in the future because all of the dynamics and things that you've uh, brought up here, Mayanna, but at some point in time, it does have to. But even if our real estate property was going to drop or there wasn't any appreciation, I look at that as an added benefit because of the ability to own a home, have a fixed payment, at some point in time, have a payment end in sight and to get the tax uh, right off as well. So, Maya, how is the market directly affecting first-time home buyers, uh, the millennials? Uh, first and foremost, the affordability and credit issues mm-hmm. and um, the price escalation is just so 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 fast so steep that first-time home buyers can't save enough for down payment you know by the th- time they think they have something saved the, mar- the uh, price has gone up again so uh, most of the time right now we're seeing young Millennials they're just priced out of uh, the market and particularly the urban areas that are in very high demand and that's where our high-tech companies are choosing to build right now in these urban areas I mean look at South Lake Union and they're hiring mostly young young Millennials who want to live and play close by. Mm-hmm. Another factor is the competition from older baby boomers who are now empty nesters. The kids are gone, and yoo-hoo, they want to have fun, and they don't want to sit alone in a 3,000-square-foot house. So they're selling their large suburban homes to move into urban centers, and which is, again, causing com- competition uh, with millennials vying for the same living space. Tina, affordability is one aspect, but because financing is really what's going uh, to determine how much house a buyer can buy and what kind of loan they're eligible for. Maybe you could talk a little bit about credit scores and mortgages and what interest rates are doing uh, just to get people up to date. Yeah, when you also you mentioned about down payment, a lot of people f- feel that they need a down payment to get into home. There are a lot of options for grant and down payment assistance. So just as you said, if you can't save quick enough to see, keep up with appreciation, you can't save quick enough to keep up with interest rates as interest rates increase. I'd mentioned earlier earlier, every quarter percent is $10,000. So you have to be able to save and keep up with that. A lot of people also think that they need 20% to avoid PMI. You don't. You can get in and avoid paying monthly PMI with as low as 5% down. Uh, credit, a lot of people don't realize you can get in a home with a 580 credit score. Uh, get into a over $500,000 home if you meet the debt to income ratio. So there are a lot of things. And I've had buyers ask before, well, should I wait until I can get the best interest rate to improve my credit? And my answer is always no. If it makes sense for you to do something, get in now. Because once we get your credit up, then you can go ahead and turn around and refinance. But you've built the equity, you've taken advantage of that tax benefit. So we're not in a position, I don't want any of the listeners to think that the banks are getting too aggressive with financing, because that was the reason the market dropped before. There's no stated income loan programs out there. Um, You know, you do have to meet a debt-to-income ratio. You have to have employment uh, history. Um, But if it makes sense and you can afford to make the mortgage payment, there are all kinds of options for you to be able to get into a home. So get in, have that sense of urgency, stay with the fight until you get your offer 
accepted and don't miss out on this amazing opportunity. So, uh, Mayanna, we hear a lot about millennials and that they have a different idea when it comes to homeownership. What do they really differ from other generations when it comes to buying a home? I think there's a, or when I talk to millennials and I've talked to many, there's a, there's an inherent distrust in the system. Many were in the formative years during the Great Recession, and they saw maybe perhaps uh, their parents losing a home to foreclosure, or they so, saw their parents lose savings in the form of stock market crash when that happened. Pew Research actually proves that, or showed that 19% of the millennials have no trust in people. So they're hesitant to invest in the stock market. They're hesitant to go buy homes because they're afraid of another market crash. And although they do have a different lifestyle, I mean, remember when we were young, we were kind of noncommittal too. We wanted to go out and have fun and not uh, have any commitments. They have some of the, the same things. They enjoy their independence. They don't want commitments. They don't have a children. They're waiting to have children. They want to travel. And they don't have time or patience to ha- maintain yards or fix things. They'd rather call up the landlord and say, hey, the <laughs> faucet's busted. Come over and fix it. They don't want to deal with it. And uh, so they're deferring marriage and uh, starting a family, and those are really the motivators to to buy a home. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I spoke recently with a really good friend of mine who's an older millennial and had been renting, and she and her husband bought a house three years ago, and she said they've never once regretted it. Mm -hmm. Sure, there's the maintenance stuff that comes up, but when it's your own house, you just take care of it. Buying a home helped them grow and develop as people, both professionally and personally. Plus, it tapped into a creative side she never knew she had, working in the yard and creating a living environment environment they absolutely love and their monthly payments are stable what you just discussed and their uh, home is already worth more now than when they bought it now she couldn't imagine not owning a home yeah and I think a lot of it too I mean our millennials I mean they've got education they're making a lot of money I think it's just taking that step and understanding it's an option looking at the numbers um, and seeing all of the benefits so Mayanna are there real estate opportunities for young people in today's market uh, looking forward Oh, yes, absolutely. For those millennials willing to compromise and be flexible in their thinking and planning, there's some excellent buying opportunities. For example, if you're okay with moving out maybe just a little bit uh, further away, away from the urban areas, maybe buying a smaller home or an older home that's move-in ready but perhaps is in need of updating or remodeling that you could do over time, or into an area that may not seem as ideal uh, and the competition is not as great. Compromise and flexibility is a huge advantage in getting a home in today's market. And the long-term opportunities, as we just talked about, the accelerated market is not going away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So I truly, truly believe it is actually really important for young people to get into the market now so they can start building equity. That's the key right there. They could buy a smaller home, a condo. I'm working with a young woman right now, 25 years old, and she is buying a condo with the uh, intent of buying a larger home. Get someone in, share the rent, get a house with a mother-in-law, share the share the uh, mortgage costs, lots of opportunity. But it starts with that first home so you can create those opportunities down the road. Yeah, and so what is your recommendation for the millennials that I have listening to the show today or the parents of millennials trying to help them get that next stage in the thinking about buying a home? Reach out to us. We have resources. We are so happy and willing to help people find the solution that fits for them. There's so much hype and misinformation out there, and it really comes down to what do you individually, what do you qualify for, and that's somebody like you that can determine that for them. So reach out, and we will give you a roadmap how to improve your credit score if that's something that you're afraid of. We'll check in with you at regular intervals and find out where you're, where you're going, where you're headed, and we'll be there for you when you're ready and help you along if you're not quite ready yet. Be proactive and get excited about the prospect of owning a home.
Yeah, and I think that is the best advice, Mariana, is if you think at any opportunity or any chance that you might be looking at buying a home in the near future, six months, 12 months out, the best thing is to talk with a mortgage professional, get an idea, just like you said, put your plan together, uh, meet with your realtor to put the plan together, and don't miss out on the opportunity. Mariana, what resources do you have for my listeners today? For those that are interested, I have resources available for first-time home buyers, like a net worth calculator I developed so you can see how, how much you have, how much you owe, and where you need to be. Please feel free to reach out if you have any questions or need more information or just drop me an email or give me a call. You can reach me at 425-677-4148 and give me a call anytime. Mayana, thank you so much for joining me in studio. I look forward to uh, having you back on a future show. Thank you for having me. I absolutely enjoyed it. You're very welcome. And coming up next on the Money Hour, how, how do you market a listing? Noelle Bortfeld, Chief Marketing Officer with Windermere Real Estate, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Never imagined your marriage would be ending? Not sure if you're going to be the weekend parent? How long is the divorce process going to take and who can you trust? The attorneys at Humphrey & Associates understand that these are just a few questions that may be going through your mind. You're not alone and they've helped many people in your same position. Their mission is to serve you while you get through this difficult time. Divorce and parenting plans are difficult enough. Working with an attorney shouldn't be. Humphrey & Associates is committed to providing affordable legal services that you can trust. You need good, solid legal advice that isn't going to cost a fortune. Worry no more. To schedule your free consultation, just call 206-946-8580 or go online to halegalteam.com. Hi, this is Vincent Humphrey. Go ahead and give us a call today at 206-946-8580 or you can reach us online at halegalteam.com. Again, that's 206-946-8580. or online at halegalteam.com. Love to hear from you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 6th show. Bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com to discuss anything regarding money or to talk with the guests that I have in studio today. Right now. Now in studio, Noel Bortfeld, Chief Marketing Officer with Windermere Real Estate. And Noel, thank you so much for coming back in studio. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to be here back. Always had a <laughs> pleasure to have a conversation with Noel. And a little uh, background, if you've missed her past uh, previous segments, uh, Noel again is Chief Marketing Officer and is responsible for all consumer marketing activities on behalf of Windermere. She oversees branding, advertising, interactive and direct marketing, lead generation, program management, social media, public relations 
communications and even marketing. Her experience includes brand marketing for Fortune 500 company as well as global agencies. She also leverages a leadership background in web application development and consumer relationship management CRM. Recently, Noelle made Boston Logic top 10 to watch. Noelle, again, thank you. Just really excited to have our conversation. And our topic today is going to be how to market a listing. So, Noelle, tell us about the types of products and services that you've marketed in the past. Well, let's see, about 30 years ago, I started my career at Nestle, and I was privileged enough to work on Infant Formula, which we got to launch in the United States. Uh, I also worked on Contadina Tomato Products and um, was able to launch Contadina Pizza Squeeze, which I still buy to this day. (laughs) So that was a very (laughs) fun product. And um, I also worked on Nescafe and Taster's Mm -hmm. Choice. And then later on in my career, I spent a lot of time working with Hewlett Packard. So a lot of a lot of um, marketing experience, definitely. So let's talk about marketing a listing. Everyone knows about the four P's of marketing. How do you apply them to marketing a listing? Let's go ahead and start out with product. Okay. So yes, there's a product, price, place, promotion, and kind of the the way the consumer packaged goods industry frames it. So I try and bring that same framework and bring it to the real estate industry. So from a product standpoint, when you think about it, you're talking about a listing or a home. And that can come in the form of anything from staging the actual product or the mm-hmm. listing, um, creating some improvements, um, doing some repairs, actual curb appeal when people just drive up into the neighborhood, um, how the home is showed, whoever's holding the open house, what is that, how does that person talk about the product? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also there's the whole element of inspections that's going to affect your product. So we Definitely. really try and think of all those levers when we think of product. So, Noel, let's say, what about price? I mean, that's got to be really, really important and, and not just in a, a, a market to where there's not a lot of activity going on, but it's as important, if not important, not more important, it's as important, if not more important than the market that we're in today, when you think price might not really even matter that much, when it does, because we all want to maximize the price. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tina. I think you have to look at market conditions. And if you look at it locally, prices have been rising and we're short on inventory. And so things like market conditions can very much affect how a a realtor um, prices this home. Um, People tend to do comparative market analysis Mm -hmm. as well. But again, that's just one data point in the pricing mix. Um, Sometimes people look at um, what's my return on my investment? You know, how much equity do I have in this home? Um, How will that affect the price? Can I walk away? What's my breaking point? Mm -hmm. Uh, What what do I need to maybe cover some other expenses? They also look at um, some of the price drops that might be happening in other areas. Probably not so much in this market right now, but price drops do happen. Um, Days on market is another factor. Mm -hmm. If if your home is sitting there for 60 days, you might want to consider dropping the price. Um, another element of pricing is just th- looking at uh, the other homes and what the listing price was versus what the actual sales price was. So you look at that ratio. And so if people are selling it for like 95% of asking price, you might start to think about what is your asking price and how does sure. that compare? Makes sense. So, Noel, how about place distribution? So distribution, that's probably the simplest. That's how uh, listings are actually distributed across the web. If, if you can think about how all the MLS then mm-hmm. distributes those listings to Zillow or Realtor to the brokerage's actual website. So that that's a fairly straightforward one. The industry's done a great job with distribution. 
So it, consumers can find the, 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 the listing somewhere, yes, somewhere definitely. online. That's not an issue really in this industry. Uh, let's get into the final, which is promotion. Okay, that's a big one. <laughs> I think a lot of agents will say, well, how should I market my listing? Mm-hmm. And I try to remind them of the, the three aforementioned P's because those are as important, but I think a lot of focus is typically on promotion. Um, that can come in the form of photography, open houses, signage, <laughs> brochures, mm-hmm. direct mail, um, videos, actually very hot, um, floor plans, 3D tours. We're getting into some augmented reality, which is fun. (laughs) You know, any kind of advertising as well, and that's really falls under promotion. So let's talk about, I think, you know, the most important thing to consider, which is really developing the plan and putting this all together. Absolutely. Um, I think the most important thing is to stop and think about who that potential buyer could be. I think we we don't stop and think that this is actually the perfect home for mm-hmm. this type of individual. Mm-hmm. And I think more thought has to be given to that. And, you know, when I've talked with you before, Noel, we talked about, you know, the stories and the importance of uh, really putting together a story and that marketing plan. And when you know what that buyer is, when you know who that targeted buyer is, then you can really bring that story in. Because we are talking about selling a home, which is a life store, a life um, a style, and it's somebody's story is going to be told there. Absolutely. So uh, how does someone develop an uh, objective? So I always think of objectives as being SMART, and I think everybody knows that acronym, um, SMART, S for specific, M for measurable, A for actionable, R for realistic, and T for timely. So when people write their objectives, I'm really hoping that they're going to use SMART objectives, meaning let's, here's an example, generate three qualified buyers in the next 30 days. You know, that's very measurable. You're either going to get three qualified buyers or you're not. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's very easy to measure. And if it's in within 30 days, you either did it or not. So really setting um, measurable objectives that are within a time frame, then you know whether you're going to be successful or whether you need to tweak your marketing plan. And what about measurement? I mean, because we all know that's really important is the measurement of that plan. Yes. And a lot of times I think folks struggle with um, how to measure something. Uh But in terms of tying them back to to the objective itself, you think about, well, did I actually generate three new buyers? Yes. Or potential buyers? That's a yes or no. Yes. That's very easy to measure. Mm -hmm. Some other media is tougher to measure, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times you can think about, okay, what is the response mechanism that I want to add to this advertising so that I know? What is the call to action? Yes. That way the metrics are a little bit easier for you. Yeah. And when you're really, when you are, have a targeted uh, group that you're marketing, which is really the name of the game, and you have a lot of those touch points going in, those touch points do start to kind of inter, you know, mingle in. So mm-hmm. it sometimes can be difficult. Um, can you talk about, uh, let's going back to the audience and the potential buyer. Can you give me an example? Um, sure. I, you know, I, I use this one in, in a class that I teach, uh, the wealthy modern eth- enthusiast who travels via private jet. Wouldn't we all like to be that person, yeah, right? Yeah, that sounds so, fun. Yeah, <laughs> you think of the, you know, wealthy, it obviously speaks to their income. Um, mm-hmm. A modern enthusiast, enthusiast, meaning they love all things modern, modern architecture, um, okay. modern furniture, yeah. just everything modern. Um, but traveling via private jet, you know, mm-hmm. that's obviously talks about their lifestyle. Yes. This is just sort of one extreme. So in the class, sometimes I'll say, okay, here's your primary target audience. And maybe here's your secondary, the one that you think might be a potential buyer too. It might be a Chinese investor. Uh Uh-huh. 
Okay. So knowing those two, you could develop your objectives, your strategies, yes. and your tactics. So how does that affect the media that you're going to choose? That's a great question. I think um, a lot of times you can look at that um, target audience and all and develop almost like a if you think about a bullseye in the center you have the tribe <laughs> the target audience uh -huh. you know if you thought about um, those people that travel via private jet maybe um, you would do your advertising in Velocity magazine for example okay. um, beyond the tribe and that might be um, beyond that first very targeted concentric circle within a within that within that concentric circle, you can actually just think about, all right, where are the places I can meet with these people in person? Uh -huh. Okay. Then you can start to pull out a little bit and say, all right, what kind of local advertising can I do to reach either one of those, the primary audience, the modern enthusiast, or the secondary, the Chinese person, um, the Chinese buyer? It could be um, looking at the Puget Sound Business Journal, which is a great mm -hmm. local mm -hmm. newspaper. Then you start to go, okay, how can I expand outward to maybe the Western United States. Maybe you need to be in Alaska Beyond, you know, magazine. Um, then you get out to the international global place, and maybe you're, yeah. you're sending your listings to juai.com, which is a, a website that is targeted to the Chinese buyers. Okay, so really focusing that all, that all in. So how does geographic coverage play in the mix, Noel? Well, I think it does go back to that target audience. Mm -hmm. um, and international, if you don't have any reason to think that your buyer is coming from another country, then don't spend the money yes. marketing your listing there. Yep. Um, I think sometimes people try and just do the same things over and over again mm -hmm. without thinking about really who is that potential buyer and how is the best way to reach them? Or how can I reach like-minded people yes. that will actually talk about this listing to the people that might hear about it through word of mouth? Yeah. So since we're talking about uh, marketing for a listing and, you know, with all of the uh, education and the training that you do for the real estate community, and especially within Windermere, what do you see as the primary, primary mistake that is happening when marketing a listing? <laughs> I call it the spray and pray. I was going to say approach. it's Because okay. <laughs> it really like just completely contradicts uh -huh. understanding who that potential buyer is yeah. and thinking about that and thinking about what kind of vehicles you would use to reach them. Spray and pray means you're uh -huh. just going out there with maybe a direct mail piece that just goes to everybody um, on in your database. Yeah. And you're not really thinking about, well, gosh, maybe some of those people in my database actually already just bought their home last year. Yeah. Why are they getting this Got it. information? So you have to be relevant to, to folks and, and not just put it all out there to everybody because it's, you don't want to appear irrelevant. Yeah. So, and in, in, in really, if I'm hearing you've got that, that target market, you know that target market and what what people they are, and then pick the marketing things that you're going to do and put that out. Um, but you do agree as, as well as if sticking with, and I think a big challenge or a mistake that you see anybody make, any uh, entrepreneur in the marketing is they try something, it doesn't give them the results quick enough, and they give up. You've got to really be it in, in for the long haul. Absolutely. Yeah. And you do have to be able to pivot. Yes. Because if you aren't meeting your objectives, and, I, and a lot of times people just don't even write them down. Uh-huh. If you write them down mm -hmm. and they do say within 30 days, you should put it in your little calendar. I'm yeah. going to look at my objectives in 30 days and did I meet them or not? Yeah. And then sense. if I haven't, pivot. 
So, Noel, with the uh, with agents, because you're behind the scenes and seeing everything that's happening uh, with agents, what are the what are the challenges that they're dealing with right now? And what advice for because I have a lot of a lot of agents that listen to the show. And, um, you know, what would be your advice for for those the challenge? Boy, get really creative with ways to encourage your sellers to sell right now. I think sellers now have the equity that they might have lost. So it's time to talk to them a little bit about that. Uh I think the the challenge also for them is to find the next place for them. Yes. (laughs) With inventory being short, it's hard to get your clients to really think about what is that next Mm -hmm. step if, Mm -hmm. if, if it's if hard to isn't. buy right now, right? Yeah. The easiest ones are folks that are willing to maybe um, retire and go to that second home in a, yeah. in a different market. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and I've, I've got a complimentary, a complimentary coaching program I do for realtors, and somebody had just brought up a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was just a brilliant marketing idea. Um, she is does a lot of you know cold calling with expires, but she said she goes back to people that they're, it expired like two years ago. Because now they've got equity, they were looking at selling and maybe it just wasn't the right time because the equity wasn't there. And I thought that was really brilliant because there are people out there that need our services and it's finding those people and connecting with them and finding out what their needs are and how you can be that solution for them. So, exactly. yeah. Noel, thank you so much for joining me back in studio. It's always a pleasure to have you and I really appreciate you coming in and spending time with me. Thank you so much, Tina. Great okay. to see you again. This is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. Enjoy your Saturday and the remainder of your week. I look forward to talking with you a little bit more about money right here on 1150 AM KKNW next Saturday. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.